thing about the kingdom culture, and we've been sharing about the kingdom within. The, the, the question has been asked, how's the kingdom doing? How's the kingdom doing? And what do we mean? Is the kingdom something out there? No, actually the kingdom is within you. That's what Jesus said. The kingdom is within you, and the kingdom within you depends upon the righteousness and the peace and the joy that you experience. So my question to you is, how's, how's the kingdom doing? How's your heart? How's your peace? How's your joy? Or is there fear in your life? I want to share this message around the topic of faith, but I want to uh, assault the lies of fear. The lies of fear. So how's the kingdom doing, guys? Ladies, how's the kingdom doing? How's your peace? How's your joy? And the big test is not when everything is, you, 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 you're lying on the beach at Hawaii. I'm so peaceful. That's not the test. The test is when all hell breaks loose and someone points a gun to your face. Then the test is, how's the kingdom doing? How's the kingdom doing? The test is when the pressure is on. The test is when, when, when things come against you. So I was thinking, I was in Swakopmund and I was sharing um, some of the stories from the past. And so I was sharing about, uh, we were in Argentina some years ago and we had an awesome missions trip and about seven of us and we booked, booked in our bags. We had an awesome week. We were so happy. We were so excited about life and all the miracles that God has been doing and then uh, Rion is not here this morning, so I cannot speak behind his back. He's always sitting over there. So uh, he was like, in, he was messing with me. He was like, ooh, you and your little money bag thingy around your waist. Real men don't do that. That was, he was basically saying, real men, you know, we're not sissies, huh? So he was like messing with me. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I'm a real man. So I'm going to take my passport and my money, everything I have, I'm going to put it into my bag because I'm a real man. And so now we're sitting at this coffee table just before we're going through the gates to fly back from Buenos Aires to Sao Paulo and then South Africa. And so I'm putting my bag down next to my foot. And we're laughing, ha, ha, ha. And then having a good time. Next moment, I feel something's wrong. I look down and my bag is gone. I can't, I can't describe to you the feeling, the horror, everything going. It's like it was probably one of the worst moments of my life to discover my passport is gone. I'm sitting on the airport in Argentina. It was horrible. So I was running around on the, I was like freaking out. They said I looked so calm, but inside I was like, <laughs> freaking out. And I was like, God, why didn't you tell me to hold on to my bag? I mean, you've been speaking to me the whole week. Why didn't you tell me? And I just heard the voice of God say to me in the inside, I have a plan. My response was, this plan sucks. It's a horrible plan. It's a horrible plan. <laughs> but, but in that, that same day, you know, my wife and I, we're quite organized. We plan our lives. We plan for everything. We do not do surprises. So this was a surprise. And then the Lord, it's like it's something triggered on the inside of us. The Lord said to me later that day, I want to set you and your wife free from fear. Well, thank you, Lord. It's not helping <laughs> what we're going through now. 
But, but I, I realized that it was a setup to be set free. Quotable quote. It was a setup to be set free. And I realized most of the things in our lives, they are a setup to be set free. Even though God is not the author of the problem or the author of the crisis or the author of whatever is coming against us, it is a setup to be set free. And, and God did. I mean, I, I didn't sleep for a few, few weeks after that. Sonic, I didn't sleep for nine weeks. We were literally going through internal. The Lord was going down deep into the deepest recesses of our beings to set us free from stuff that's been coming with us for 10, 15, 20 years. And the Lord was saying to us, I can't use you. I can't take you forward if I don't first set you free. It was a setup to be set free. In the end, so that others can be set free. You see, what, whatever the devil sends against us, what the devil sends against us to destroy us, God uses to transform us. What the devil sends against us to destroy us, and you can put in that, you know, the devil, I'm talking about life, stuff happens, things come against us. The enemy sends it to destroy us, but God uses it to transform us. But so often these windows of opportunity come past and we miss it because our perspective is wrong. We didn't realize that this furnace, that I want to speak about flourishing in the furnace, this furnace that I'm going through is my ticket to blessing. This is God going to set me free now. So we went to uh, Rio de Janeiro uh, about Six months later, so now already I've lost my, I got back to South Africa, as you can see, and uh, my, my tablet was stolen, and uh, anyway, so I replaced some of the things. Now we're in Rio de Janeiro, so we have an awesome week. God moves, 220 plus people physically healed, many people come to Christ, incredible miracles are happening. Now we have an outreach outside of Rio, now we're driving back. Last night... Previous time I got robbed on the last day. So now I'm like, we're driving back, and I'm like, uh, thank you, Jesus. What a week. What awesome things you've done. You are so good. But now I'm remembering, okay, remember, six months ago, you got robbed. So hold on to your stuff. So now we stop in Rio de Janeiro outside the house where we were at or staying at. The pastor's son dropped me and Sonica off. And we were hugging. They gave us all the gifts. It's around 1 o'clock at night. City center or city area of Rio de Janeiro. We're hugging. I'm like, thankful. God is good. Next moment, I see a car stop in the corner of my eye. And, uh, and then I have a, a gun in my face, in our faces. I'm like, what? I almost fell over of shock. And I'm like... I surrender. So there goes my phone and my tablet and my sunglasses. What else? Also, all, all my stuff, man. It's gone. And uh, so now they steal the car. They steal a 50,000 rand uh, guitar. And there we're standing. Sonica, me, the pastor's son, and a girl. Creek, creek. <laughs> what a moment. But again, so you figure out, what, what is this? What's, what's happening? What's going on? And, 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 and looking back, you know, again, we, obviously we had to pray through some things. 
But um, yo, after that, uh, we came back to South Africa, and I was paranoid. Uh. I was paranoid. I was, it went in my bag. I was like, it's going to disappear. It's going to disappear <laughs> like it did in, in Buenos Aires. So now I'm going to preach in PE, and I'm like, where's the best place for my bag? <sighs> Front stage, back of the car. So I put it back in the car, boot of the car. Now I'm worshiping like, flip, what if someone breaks in? No. So in the worship, I walk out, go back to the car. I take my bag out. I take it back, and I put it on the chest thing there. I put my foot on it or something. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I am now paranoid, super paranoid. But I, I had this, it, it's amazing how these, these moments, and you, you work through it, and you're like, I was, even with a gun to your face type of thing, I was afterwards like, praise God. You know, the devil wants to bully us. He wants to intimidate us. But we have a calling on our lives. I mean, if, so even if he pulled the trigger, it would have gone off or it would have just gone by. I don't know. But, uh, but the enemy wants to intimidate us to keep us from fulfilling the will of God in our lives. And I will not live under that yoke. I will not live with that bondage. And many of us are battling with fear. We're living lives of fear, whether people breaking in or being mugged or robbed or whatever it might be. And that's a prison. And God wants to set us free this morning from that. So 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, sort of the theme scripture I want to share with us this morning. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Let's say it. God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen. You know, so you might be physically free, but still in a prison if you live under the yoke of fear. And so I feel God wants to come and set us free this morning from fear, fear of man, fear of whatever life may throw at us. So I want to sketch a few scenarios, furnace scenarios. Because sometimes we forget this, that... The goal that we're aiming at is this, to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's the goal. Romans 8 speaks about that all things work together for good to those who love God and were called according to His purpose. You remember that verse? So it says, all things work together for good. Guns to your face, thefts, crises, all things work together for your benefit, for your blessing, for your good. When? When you love God and you know that you're called. And the next verse says, so that you can conform to the image of Christ. Amen. So that's the goal. The furnace is uncomfortable. It's not nice when you're in it. But the goal is I want to become more like Jesus, and I thank God for this furnace. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change. I have changed more through the furnaces than any other time of my life. It's the furnace that leads to transformation. But we need to get our perspective right, otherwise you're going to miss your opportunity. So a few examples of furnaces, but I want to just read this quote by Smith Wigglesworth. Classic, I've read it before, which is brilliant. It says, great faith is the product of great fights. Great faith is the product of great fights. So you don't first get great faith and then you have the fight. No, you get the great faith while you're in the fight. Great fights. Great faith is a product of great fights. Great testimonies are the outcome of great tests. And great triumphs can only come 
out of great trials. Say, thank you, Jesus. Say, thank you for the furnace. <laughs> you're, not, you're not sounding very excited. <laughs> thank you for the furnace. <laughs> but it's a set up to be set free. So I want to sketch you a few scenarios. Set up to be set free. What happens when you squeeze a sponge? A sponge. What, what happens? You squeeze it and whatever is inside comes out. Or you squeeze a fruit and the juice comes out. So the question is, when you are under pressure, what is coming out? What's coming out? Got a hammer, you're hitting the nail, you hit the thumb. What comes out? That's the test, real believer or fake. That's the test. When the pressure is on, you can't always just, it's going to come out. That's the test. So let me give you a few examples. A furnace. Marriage is a furnace. Marriage is a furnace. Turn to your partner and say, thank you, honey. <laughs> but there's this, this brilliant quote um, by uh, Tim Keller. He says, marriage does not so much bring you into, into confrontation with your spouse as into confrontation with yourself. So it's not your, your partner that's the challenge. It's yourself. Marriage does not so much bring you into confrontation with your spouse as into confrontation with yourself. The test about becoming angry towards your partner, becoming offended with your partner. I hear my wife actually said last week in church that she was offended with me. And I'm like, how is that possible? How is that possible? Can't be. But I am also human and we are human. We, you're married to another imperfect human being. And so marriage is a furnace. But the test is, are we going to be offended or are we going to be kind? Are we going to, what's coming out? What's coming out? Are we going to be offended or are we going to be forgiving and Christ-like? Are we going to manifest the nature of Jesus towards one another? And marriage is the ultimate test. You can fake it in the rest of the world. You can't fake it at home. Amen. So I want to ask you, who are you at home? Because that's who you are. That's who you are. That's what's coming out. Not when you're in church and the hands are raised and I'm so holy. Now we know, we know, we know, uh, 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 we know. You've got stuff. You've got stuff. We're all on a journey. No one's perfect. That's why they call me no one. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. <laughs> That's a lame one. Okay. So marriage is a furnace. Ask my wife. I'm not perfect. Okay. All good. So the so second one um, is work pressure. When the pressure piles on and you feel like, I'm not coping, I, 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 you, you know, it's like just too much on your plate. You're not coping, not enough time in the day. It's just too many things. It's coming for you. And you, and, and you want to like, uh, and you blow up on people around you. Uh, you, 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 you bite others. Maybe you, people under your authority, people around you, but you like, you aggressively ugly to others. What's coming out? Pressure brings out stuff that we need to deal with. Or when we mess up, do we say we're sorry? 
I'm a, a part of the national leadership of Shofar. And so um, now a few times I like to make decisions. I don't wait 60 years. I make a decision and then I'll... And uh, so anyway, so we made a few calls. A few of us made a few calls and then some of the guys were not really happy. Sure, it was woo-hoo, exciting. Welcome to leadership. And, uh, but it was such a good opportunity because in the past, leadership never really said they're sorry for making a mistake. So I just decided, well, I'm going to make a call. If it's wrong, hey, I'm going to say I'm sorry. You know, so it was just, I was just I'm, I'm wanting to create a new culture, a culture where leadership don't blame people, but they take ownership of their stuff. So I posted on a national council's WhatsApp group, and I said, guys, sorry, made a mistake, made a call too quickly. First, I had to get some you know, note to self. Remember to first ask a few other guys. And, but it was a great opportunity to say, hey, I'm not trying to be perfect, and I'm willing to own when I make a mistake. Do you? Do you? Do you own your stuff, or do you blame? Because again, that, that, that reveals there's stuff maybe that needs to be dealt with. Another area, other people getting breakthrough, you not getting your breakthrough. What about me? And then what manifests? Jealousy, envy. Is that manifesting? Why are they getting their breakthrough? What about me? Or does Christ-like attitude manifest? God, I celebrate. I celebrate their breakthrough. Pastor Sias shared the story. He said, he was in uh, Namibia. Someone shared with him, Pastor Sia is one of our guys in Stellenbosch. He's an evangelist, one of the leaders in Shofar. And so he was in Namibia, and one of the other guys, business, or one of the business guys shares with him, hey, someone gave me a bucky. He's like, wow. And he like realized, I'm not excited for you. Where's my bucky? <laughs> Why am I not getting a bucky? He was just really not excited. And they realized, ah, ah, this isn't lacquer. So he went outside. It was a men's camp thing. Went outside and he, he said he just went to worship Jesus and celebrate this man's breakthrough. A few months later, someone gave him a brand new Toyota Bucky. And the guy said to him, it came from profits, from shares or something, but he doesn't know exactly who, who gave it to him, but he said basically on that, he gave him the exact date, the date that Sias went outside to worship Jesus and to celebrate someone else's breakthrough. That was the date the Lord spoke to him. Okay, so we're all running outside now quickly to go worship Jesus. Yes! Thank you, Lord, for their breakthrough. Yes, yes, yes. But it's so powerful because that is the Christ-like response. And the Christ-like response opens the door for God to bless us. Compared to, oh, why, what about me? Why not me? Other precious situations, you know, just a lot of money at stake, a lot of responsibilities. What is our response? I'm so anxious. I'm carrying this burden. It is just so heavy. Or, oh, Jesus, I trust you. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I trust you. You've got this. You know, it's things like this. We're always this choice of what's, what's coming out. Is it Christ coming out? Or is it ungodly things coming out? If ungodly things are coming out, then the Lord wants to heal us and set us free in Jesus' name. And you can think of a hundred other furnaces. Tragedy strikes. God, why? You know, but a real child of God says, Lord, even if I don't understand, God, I trust you. I love you. You're a good God. So I want to take us to a, a, a well-known passage out of the book of Daniel. The three friends of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, uh, 
and, and, and what they went through. It's an extreme example of pressure, of a furnace, extreme example. But I believe there are principles for you and I that we can apply in our lives. Okay, so, so they were faced with significant pressure. So King Nebuchadnezzar, the emperor of the Babylonian empire, he was a scary character. Scary character. He was really freaky. He was crazy. He's like the guys from North Korea, a little bit crazy. And uh, so, I mean, he would put out, I mean, some of the Israelite kings that, that rebelled against him, he would literally put out their eyes. You know, he would just, he, he would, it would, like, they, it was, they, he was scary. He, 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 he ruled with fear. And so this one time he put up a massive statue, golden statue, and then they made a decree through all the land. It was the law of the land. When the music plays, you need to fall and bow and worship the false image. So here it starts in Daniel 3, verse 46. It says that a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O peoples, nations and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, and so more, the symphony of all kinds of beautiful music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up, and whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Okay, so that's a challenge. But I believe this represents the spirit of this age. It's a bully spirit. A bully spirit. We experience it from school, from grade one. I see it with my boy now. He's grade three. And I see he's already experiencing pressure. Pressure even just... Being popular, rejection, pressure from the people around, the kids around him. I, mean, I shared it a few weeks ago that, I mean, he's being mocked for not being, watching movies of a higher age restriction and things like that. These friends are mocking my boy for not wanting to watch age-restricted movies and things. I mean, just silly. And playing games that are also not very kosher. So, so there's already this pressure at that age, but we've all experienced it. Every phase of our lives, there's pressure. There's a bully spirit, a bully spirit that wants to come and, uh, and pressure us into a corner to bow the knee before the spirit of this world. We are pressured. We are pressured to celebrate sin. We are pressured to celebrate. Now, if you don't celebrate a homosexual marriage, then, I mean, there's something wrong. You're a homophobe, and you're a bigot, and you're a, uh, no, I, I just have standards, and I stand by God's standards, and I will not be bullied into your rubbish in Jesus' name. But so we're experiencing pressure on every level to shut up and be quiet, sit in the corner. And it's the fear of man primarily. This statue, this image is the fear of man. It causes you and I to be quiet, to not talk about Jesus. It pushes us into the corner to compromise. And we need to confront it, even as Daniel's friends confronted it. So, you, I mean, you know, the school bully scenario comes to take your lunch, your lunchbox. Pushes you around. Hey, who do you think you are? Hey, little squeak. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to show you who's the boss, eh? push you around, and then he takes your little lunchbox away. And that's, in a sense, what the enemy is doing to many of us. It pushes us around with fear and intimidation. The result is we lose our inheritance. We lose the blessings of God. We lose what God has given to us. So we need to take it back. 
I felt this morning like some of us have a cloak of fear on. It's like a, you have a, like a garment of fear on. And you are so used to it that you think this is normal. And, and, and this is what happened to us. It took me a while to break out of the, the fear thing after the, 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 the theft and the, and, the, and the armed robbery. It took me quite a while. I, I, even moving into the house we're currently living in, the first six months, eight months, there was a lot of fear. It also doesn't help when the alarm goes off at 12 o'clock at night. Ah, not fun. Running around there, that's happened. One time, I think three, four nights in a row. 12 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock. I was getting paranoid again. But some of us wear a cloak of fear, and I feel God is saying, cast off the cloak of fear and put on a cloak of faith. Faith. Put on a cloak of faith. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. If you want to do business with man, you need money. If you want to do business with God, you need faith. It's the currency of the kingdom. If you want to do business with God, you need faith. If you believe, you will receive. If you doubt, you'll go without. That's the truth. Sometimes we blame God for things in our lives, but the main challenge is is our lack of faith. We've embraced a cloak of fear, and you're not even aware of it. You're so used to being paranoid. You're so used to being afraid at night. You're so used to living in this, 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 this fake world that's not true, that's not real. Because fear is false evidence appearing real. The gun feels and looks very real. But my God is greater. My God is greater. My God is the ultimate reality. Fear is false evidence appearing real. So let's come out of the prison. Let's come out of that place of torment into a place of freedom in Jesus' name. So look at how these young men, they, they in, in Daniel 3 verse, verse 12, you see, um, as, as I read that, the previous scripture, 2 Timothy 1, it says about God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity is another translation of that word, timidity, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Timidity comes, and when the intimidation comes, and then he comes and he steals our power, and he steals our love, our capacity to love, and he steals our sound mind. That's what intimidation does. It, it brings torment to our minds and hearts. And we're taking it back now. We're taking back our minds now in Jesus' name. Amen. Say, come on, say, it. I'm taking it back. Sound mind. Amen, in Jesus' name. Daniel 3, verse 12. So here comes the accusations. So some guys went to King Nebuchadnezzar and, and accused these Jews and said, to them, there are certain Jews that you've said over the affairs of the province of Babylon, these guys, they do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you've set up. And then verse 13, then Nebuchadnezzar in rage and fury. Now that must be scary. He's already a lunatic. Now he's in rage and in fury. And I think sometimes one of our most difficult areas to overcome intimidation and the fear of man is when it comes to authority. People in authority, bosses and things like that. You know, sometimes we, I even see with my, 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 my boy, he was, uh, um, he was handing out flyers at school to, to invite people to kids' church. And then one of the teachers said, no, you can't do that. And he's like, now he's like, I don't want to do that. I'm like, it's just a teacher. Follow Jesus, I want to say. I'm not saying that. But uh, the fear of the teacher. No, man. 
Eh? Who remember? Who's, who was afraid of their teachers when they were at school? Eh? Sure. I had my heart geslaan. My bode. Uh, we had a crazy teacher in high school. I'm not going to say which school. But he would in, uh, in, uh, in Cape Town, he would sometimes gr- grab some of the boys, one, someone that was just stubborn and or difficult one. He grabbed, well, one time he grabbed the boy, like uh, it was a high school, grabbed him by the chest and he threw him. And he rolled over the desks onto the floor. Now that was a little bit, inti- that was intimidating. We were like, woohoo. Dude, today you'd been caught. But those days, not so much. But, but intimidation, intimidation. You know, above every man, there is God. Above the president of a country, there's God. He is the ultimate king of glory. And these boys, these young men lived in that realm. There is a God above you. And he is great and glorious. So Daniel 3 verses 15 it says, Now if you are ready, now he's speaking to these three, the king. At the time you hear the sound... And you fall down and worship the image which I've made good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And then here comes the challenge. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? And I think that same challenge is coming to us in different areas of our lives. Who is the God that will deliver you out of your financial predicament? Who is the God that will protect you at your house or home or on the road? Who is the God that will come through for you in the midst of whatever you're facing? It's it's like mocking God. It's like your God. Ah, really? I believe there's a spirit, there's voices speaking to many of us, intimidating us, intimidating us intimidating us to back down, to worship at that same altar. The currency of the kingdom is faith. And the test of the furnace, the test of the furnace is a test of faith. How big is your God? How big is your God? I mean, last week we had some, at Swakopmund, we had some incredible healing miracles happen. People sitting with stuff for like 20 plus years. Now the one for me, I'm still hoping, I'm still, I'm still need to hear, get feedback if, 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 it's, if, it, if the doctors see it. But there was a, a man there, his name is Paul, and uh, he has been given six months to live, uh, six weeks to live. Sorry, they said end of October, 60%, 60 something percent chance of reaching end of October. This is last week. So there's a bunch of guys were praying for him. And uh, I was praying for other people, people getting healed, and God was moving. And then they called me to pray for this man. And uh, he had his cancer of the, of the colon. They cut out a big part, and then um, it spread to the liver, and then it moved to other parts as well. So, so six weeks max. So I prayed for this man. Next moment, the power of the Holy Spirit hits him. He has no feeling in his hands and no feeling in his feet. It's already gone dead. I don't know exactly the medical reasons. But no feeling in his hand, no feeling in his feet. Next moment, the power of God hits him. I'm praying for him. It's like a wave of the spirit that crashes into him. He falls like a, a rag doll to the floor, just like, Pah! and we like grab him before he. But the power of God hits him. We put him down on the floor. And he said to us later, but you can sense like the power of God, like, it was like, it was incredible. Um, he says, he, as he was lying on the floor, he, he felt the light overshadowing him. And then he felt waves of the power of God rushing through his body, up and down, up and down, up and down. So after a while, when he got up, he had feeling back in his hands and his feet, and he felt so much better. So now we need to, I'm trusting the cancer is gone. 
in Jesus' name. But it was such a God moment. You see, our God is powerful. And we don't know why some get healed and some don't get healed. But we believe with all our heart, Jesus is the healer. My faith is not based on, on what, on, on, on if I'm seeing it. My faith is based on who God says he is. He is the healer. He is glorious. He is powerful. And this is what these young men lived by. So look at this, their response. This is the taking the stand before a madman and the whole of parliament and one serious furnace. This takes guts. This is legendary. This, this, this take, they're taking their stand is absolutely legendary. But I believe it's an example of what you and I need to do in the spirit. It's like, I'm not going to submit to fear. I'm not going to submit to these lies. I am not a victim of these circumstances. My God is greater. But look at this. It says, Daniel 3:16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, I'm not sure they were probably shaking when they said this. We have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand. Yo, that must be offensive. Eh? And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not... Let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. What a stand. What a stand. They, they, they take the stand and they confront, even as the disciples in the book of Acts did, they told the religious leaders, saying, well, who should we obey, man or God? And I've had to do this in the past at times. You know, when the Lord gave me the, the vision and the, and the mission of the fivefold ministry, cultures, flows, and the book I wrote, I got persecuted time and time again from believers, from Christians, from leaders, from people even coming to me and prophesying over me. The Lord says, you, your foundations are false. You need to let go of everything you believe and start over. I'm like, no. Because it's an assault of the devil to break down, to steal our confidence, to cause us to back down, to walk away from our calling, to walk away from our destiny, to walk away from our identity. And sometimes Christians and people close to us are the most difficult people because we expect more from them. But I think the enemy works through them so powerfully. But yeah, I mean, he should know he's a pastor. Don't listen to every pastor. Make sure it's of God. <laughs> Amen. There's a place where you need to choose. I'm going to follow God. I'm going to obey Jesus if I have to choose. And this is the sense what they did. They, they, they took a stand and saying, there's a greater fight here. I will not bow. But so many people fall before the fear of man. You know, if you submit to the fear of man, you might not be thrown into the furnace, but you will also not have the favor of God. And you need to choose. So if you give in to the fear of man, you will maybe not be in the furnace, but you will also not have the favor of God. And we need to choose. There are these moments in our lives we need to tell a boss, no, I'm not going to do something ungodly. I'm not going I'm, I'm to be unethical. There is just no way I am, will do this. 
because I am a believer in Christ. I won't do this. I will be blameless before my God. And I know there are people being challenged with this currently, being asked by their superiors to do things that are unethical. Don't give in to such pressure. Proverbs 29, 25, it says, the fear of man brings a snare. It's a trap. But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. The fear of man is a trap. But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Let's say trust. Trust in the Lord. They will be safe. So when you're in the furnace, when you're in the precious situation, surrender more to the master than you do to the man. Surrender more to the master, King Jesus, than to man. It's the only response that will work. Daniel 3.19. Oh, this is where they are thrown into the furnace. It says that Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression on his face changed toward them. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. Hallelujah. Set up to be set free. Look at this next verse. Then these men fell down, bound into the midst of the burning flame. They were bound with their own clothes and they were thrown into the furnace. They They went into the furnace bound, but in the furnace they were set free. You're set up to be set free. This is the truth. You are set up to be set free. I realize every time I have confronted ungodly behavior, every time I've made a stand when there was opposition, it was super uncomfortable. But you know what happened? I was set free more from the opinions of men. I think one of our biggest challenges is the whole issue of popularity. We do like Facebook likes. We do like it when people like our, li- our, our posts and like us. So there's this pressure. I think one of the worst forms of fear is the fear of rejection, the fear of shame, the fear of not being popular. But you and I have not been called to be popular. We've not been called to the praises of man. We've not been called to be the coolest in people's eyes. Although we know, we all know we're really cool. We're cool when we're cool in the eyes of God, when we, are, when we please Him. So I want to I throw that off. One of the biggest traps, and we see it in young people's lives, the, the pressure, but it's all of us battle with one level or another, the fear of being rejected. Popularity, wanting to be in, wanting to be cool. Wanting to, I'm, everywhere I go, I speak to young people, they would speak about there's this cool group. And I'm like, they are not cool. You are cool when you follow Jesus. It's the ultimate, the ultimate to follow Jesus. But there's this pressure, and I want to expose it so we can expose the lies and be set free. Follow God. And then the last bit here. So they're thrown into the furnace. Daniel 3.24, ending off. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. I mean, the emperor of an of the biggest empire of the world at the time. And he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king. I'm sure he had a lot of yes, yes, O king, yes, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose, 
walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Isn't that amazing? I mean, we know the story, but it's so powerful. I mean, imagine they were like, okay, guys, it was good to know you. Oh, that camping trip was good, man. But it's, this is the end. Tell our families they love, we love them. Furnace seven times more. The soldiers come, bind them up. They've been carried into the furnace. They're thrown into the furnace. Saying, ah! Ah. Wow, this is cool. Ooh, look at me. <laughs> Chains are broken. Bonds are broken. Yay, dudes, this is awesome. Yes, in front of the whole parliament of the empire. Yes. And then there's a fourth guy right there. It's like, who are you? Thank you. <laughs> and then Jesus appears. An old, old Testament manifestation of Christ in the midst of the furnace. You see, when we fall into the furnace, when we take a bold stand for God and then are thrown into a furnace where, the, where there's being persecuted or rejected or not being popular or whatever it might be, when we're thrown into the furnace, we're going to experience a greater measure of God. God draws near. I find one of, some of the most amazing encounters with Jesus was in the midst of the furnace. Because it just, it just burns away everything else. It's just you and God that remains. I want to encourage you. Don't be afraid of the furnace. Don't be afraid of what man can do when God is with you. How awesome it would have been for them to be able to, like, after that, walk out of that furnace like, yes. Their faith. They came to discover the glory and the greatness of God. So the last verse is there. Then Nebuchadnezzar, then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke to them, servants of the most high God, come out and come here. And then they came from the midst of the fire. And then all the other guys were there. And they, there was no, no, no fire on the, on the body. There was no smell. There was no, no consequence. They were free. And I've also found the times when I go through the furnace, when, in terms of when I'm standing up for God, there's this absolute freedom. Even though it was a tough season, I am freer than I was before. It's a setup to be set free. Come on, let's say it. It's a setup. To be set free. Yes. But you need to see it. You need to make that decision. So the blessing of the furnace, a few points just want to mention. But I can imagine what a feeling it might have been for these young men. They stood by faith in the living God against all odds and God came through for them. The furnace reminds us that we're weak and God is strong. The furnace is an opportunity to, to manifest the godliness of Christ. I've had a few challenging meetings uh, over the last few months and a few of our other pastors spoke to me afterwards, and they said to me, said to me um, you know, sorry, it was, was a tough, tough meeting, but um, they said, I'm so amazed at your uh, self-control. And I'm like, yeah, but internal, it was, it was, I was jumping around. But, uh, but it was such a blessing to me that even in tough meetings, and although people are, and some people are maybe unreasonable to, response with, to respond with humility and self-control and godliness despite that is a manifestation of the, of, the, of the image of Christ. And that is what God is calling us to. It should be there. List should be there. Where's my list? There we are. List. 
Do you want to put it up there? So you reveal Christ. Everybody can see that this must be Jesus. Christ is with you, the fourth man in the, in the furnace. Greater miracles than before because God loves to manifest his goodness when the chips are down. A transformation happens. The enemy sends to destroy us, but God uses it to transform us. And then God is truly glorified, and it leads to ultimate promotion. It leads to ultimate promotion. I've seen this time and time again. And that's that last verse. I'm not going to go into it. But he, uh, then King Nebuchadnezzar, he makes a decree. And he says, all nations must honor the, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because he then says there in the last verse, there is no other God who can deliver like this. I want to speak this over your life. There is no other God that can deliver like he can. doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter what you're going through. There is no other God that can deliver, that can manifest His goodness and His love and His power like our God can. But you need to take a stand. You need to choose to renounce the lies of fear and the fear of man and embrace this. God, I serve you and I follow you and I will not submit to the fear of man. The fear of man is a trap. But he who trusts in the Lord will be blessed. God has not given us a spirit of fear but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives unto death. as this place of surrender where I'm going to give my testimony. I'm going to share who my God is. And even if I die, it's okay. Even if I'm rejected, it's okay. Even if someone doesn't like me, it's okay. It's not about popularity. It's about my king. So where are you at? Where are you at? Is fear the garment you've been clothed with? Is fear the garment or intimidation or wanting to be popular? Have you fallen for those lies, for those tricks of the enemy? Or are you like these three young men, bringing glory to the living God?